Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Well, due to ongoing uh, licensing rights, um, we are unable to lead with Queens. We are the champions on the show today. But, uh, Marty, I just uh, wanted you to see a little something that we uh, secured from the Amherst Alumni Golf Tournament yesterday. I don't know. I hope I hope people can see that on the screen here on MSG and welcome in on WGR Sports Radio 550. But uh, this is a little <clears throat> pat on the back here, but uh, more importantly, a big thank you to uh to the crew at uh Haler Fryer and Coon Insurance uh driven largely by uh Uncle Tony um fellow teammate Trevor and of course Cindy and Gail who uh you know along with yours truly rounded out of a fivesome that uh, somehow ended up in a three-way tie for first and then arbitrarily I think they chose us as champions so uh so well, they went through day, the Marty? list and your back-to-back Eagles probably kind of took the cake there. You started the day birdie Eagle Eagle. So it was pretty, it was, it was something I never experienced. So before. you said Cindy oh. and Gail on your team, did one of them mm-hmm. hit the longest drive at one point? Uh, if so, it would have been Cindy. Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe I saw her name on the, on the thing there, but yeah, if, if, I, I'm you know, not saying I, there's some cheating happening, but if you have a lady in your foursome and mm. they get to tee off from way up front and they can hit the ball as far as as us, um, mm. you're like literally 40 yards in every hole. Well, that didn't happen a lot, uh, if at all, because um, Trevor, who was at one point an aspiring golf pro. Well, okay. Uh, so he, Trevor uh, from the back tee can still put it 40 yards from the green. And uh, Uncle Tony was taking it personally against the young buck and was matching him yard for yard off the tee. So you know my reluctance to hit off the tee? I I don't even know if I bothered. I think I might have hit driver maybe twice. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Like, I just didn't even tee off. Like, we just always used their tee shots. It was unbelievable. Well, so. I will say this. I had a great group also, the Danfort mm-hmm. group, which I've been oh. golfing with the last few years. They're awesome. Uh, although, right? Like, so we teed off at 1030. And at about 11 o'clock, we were made aware that, oh, guys, we're having some uh, technical issues. And we may not be able to get on MSG today uh, because of something happening. And so I mentioned it just in my group. Hey, guys, maybe I'll be able to play the whole 18 holes because maybe we're not going to be on the air because there's a, a little uh, mishaps happening somewhere. And um, the panic set in because the Danford guys all have equipment in a mm-hmm. lot of big buildings around the city. And... <laughs> They were on the phone, like, get guys down there, get go, 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 go. And uh, so it was pretty funny. It is amazing. What what a great group. And you know what? Like, we were lucky enough to have Amherst head coach Seth Appert on the show with us. But yes. what I really appreciate every year with the Amherst alumni is is 
well, the efforts of so many um, past alum that stay so connected to it. But when you see Seth get up and address everyone after the event, um, we reiterated this a lot throughout last season that you really kind of need to take what he says seriously because yes. even when it sounds like something a coach would say to be reasonably protective of a player or promotional of a player almost a hundred percent of the time last year it rang true you know a player Always. needs to do this or a player is this and keep an eye on this guy don't sleep on this guy and he really 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 does speak from the heart and i hope people felt that in the room yesterday after the event because he wears this Amherst patch very 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 proudly and takes tremendous pride in leadership of this group and so i just want to tip the cap to seth and company and you know he was part of one of the other what could have been winning groups so best yes. i i acknowledge that and uh, and i want to say Vinny prospo's group was up there too like i mean there's a guy that spent a lot of time in florida and tampa and Vinny prospo's yeah. group was they got 13 under. I think you guys were what, 14 under, Duffer? 14 under, yeah. Well, and did you know the Birdie Eagle Eagle start was pretty great. But I, I have to <laughs> I say I would say so. <laughs> we 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 ended we ended on a very, very, very challenging um par five sixteenth. Oh, yeah. And we were in front of the green, but with two significant little rolling hills right in front of yeah. the green with the pin tucked right at the front. So of course, I completely went under the ball with my sand wedge, um, you know, on my attempt. And then thankfully, because, of course, there's five people in the group, but Gail was really not. She was fighting it. You know, I think she had an upper body injury, so okay. she was really not wanting to take part. So I immediately owned the moment because I knew oh. Trevor and Tony would want to take the next shot, like take the last of the five shots. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. And I put it within about six feet, and then I made the birdie putt. So uh, you guys made the, we were we were within probably. I made a six shot. So you know the part three seventeen, I believe, was right next. The tee box is right above you on the right hand side. Yeah, we so, started on that hole. I came so, up late to the group because I got oh. lost. Everybody had hit no warm up swing. I hit the iron within eight feet, and Cindy makes the putt, and we started with a birdie. Okay, so but here's uh, on sixteen. We're right in front of the green, kind of the same thing. And you got to go up in the air, like a lob shot to land it soft and put it right there. Pat Olivetto, um, I, that was with us at the Academy of Hockey, a former college hockey player, whatever. He's on the 17th tee box. And all they have been like just him and Steve Langdon's group. They've been like, they yell every time they make a putt. And I'm like, what is that for double bogey? No, they made a bunch of birdies. They were up there too. But, uh, you know, Pat is up there and he goes, okay, Marty, show us the good hands here. And I like, I'm like, watch this. And I'm so nervous. I got my 60 degree wedge and I'm like, I am going to like either skull it into the backyard of the beautiful houses that are around the green on 16, or I'm going to hit so much of a divot that the ball is going to pop up for, and I'm telling you, Duffer, smooth, buttery. Little 60, hit the ball, went up in the air, landed just past the hole, curled to the left, about five and a half feet. We all missed our putt. <laughs> like, believe it or not, we oh all missed the putt. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh. Embarrassing. Very embarrassing. <laughs> well, I tend not to. I think I think most people know that I tend not to uh, brag about <laughs> moments <laughs> like this, but I 
I'm literally sitting here with this and going, I don't think in my 30 plus years of being invited to charity golf outings that we've ever been, a, that I've ever been a part of a winning group. Uh, yeah, not congratulations. I, I reluctantly would say congratulations. Duffer. Certainly not, not one that provided a great keepsake trophy like this miniature <laughs> Calder cup. Okay. So Marty, I wanted to, and by the way, um, again, thanks to everybody for their, um, just incredible expression of, um, of thanks, I suppose, which sounds mm-hmm. strange, but, um, this whole healing, um, process this grieving process i suppose um since rj passed on thursday is just so on everyone's mind right yes. and so again i just want uh, we want to thank those who've reached out in person elsewhere um you know to appreciate that we've been trying to share as much as we can and i just want to say looking out to my left over at keybank center you know the the memorial is up and um there just continues to be this wonderful steady stream of people so it's another beautiful day here in downtown buffalo so you know if you've been thinking about the opportunity to come down please do so um you'll be warmed by the incredible amount of um memories that have been shared mementos that have been placed at the memorial and uh, and you can certainly add to it and we would love that um and I think, you know, there, there are a lot of stops along the way that, that uh, RJ loved. I, I have a feeling he, you know, probably didn't mind going to New York a time or two. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and so we were sitting here, we'll get to our teams of the day coming up and kind of get things back to a little bit more normal here on Sabres Live as we continue throughout the week. But Marty, you know, you're part of a really, really, really exclusive New York State Club, right? Oh yeah. Five okay. of us, right? So, four, four or five of us. There are five outside of you. So there's a beautiful half dozen now in total that have played for the Sabres, the Rangers, and the Islanders. Can I give who, it a who shot? Are, who are the who are the other five? Okay. So Pedro Lafontaine is one of them. Correct. So that's easy. Mike Donnelly, I think, is another yes. one. Yes. And Mike's okay. Mike's He was Mike's, the first one, I believe, to do it. He the craziest thing about Mike is he accomplished this in the fewest games. He only, oh, really? he, he played less than 100 total for the three teams, but oh, still wow. managed to get them all in. He played yeah. 74 for Buffalo, 22 for the Rangers and three for the Islanders. And were those the only three the teams he played for? No, he was okay. No, he played but, with other but still, that's that's a pretty unique way to get the trifecta. So. Very, very unique. I believe he was the first one. Uh, I think and so then too. The, the second one to have done it was Jason Daw. Jason okay. Daw was the second one to have played for all three teams. That's a good uh, poll because Daw's range. No, I think was Patty Lafontaine was second, and then Daw was, was third. Second. Daw was third. Yes, that yeah. was third. Yeah. I was the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I know Taylor Pyatt did, so I've got Taylor Pyatt on the list. and. Wow. Look at you, five for five I, so far, one to go. I'm missing the last one, and I am trying my hardest. To it happened think. within the last seven years. No, I know. It's the most recent probably of all three of them. Obviously, if I just said it's in the last seven years, yes. Oh, well, yeah. Because <laughs> we've already established the Taylor other Pyatt, five. <laughs> Taylor Pyatt would have been before that. Um, oh, man. I promise I'm listening, even though my hands are over my ears. That's what I feel like with you sometimes. So yeah, no, I can't. I I can't come up with the last. He one. plays your position. 
He's a tender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, um, Chad Johnson. Yes. Yes. Good for yes. You. You're right. Chad Ocho Cinco Dos Nueve. He was he was 29, so we call him Dos Nueve. And we've got the graphic support: Donnelly, Lafontaine, Daw, Beron, Pyatt, Johnson. So Jordan LaBarber from Sabers.com was quizzing me on this this morning, and we had narrowed it down to a goalie, and I wasn't having any luck. And I said, please give me one more clue. And he goes, he's a nice guy. And I immediately, <laughs> I immediately said, Chad Johnson. Uh, he's a very nice guy. One dad, looking at I, me like, what a ridiculous clue. Duffer, <laughs> I wasn't working with uh, in the role that I am right now, but I was doing yeah. some uh, work with TSN. And at the trade deadline one year, um, the Sabres acquired Chad Johnson, right? You know, when they traded uh, Anders Lindback and whatever, like eh, all the goalies that played well for the Sabres that year got traded out. And I remember... And I I think Chad was acquired not to play. He was acquired... He was was hurt and he didn't play at the end of that first term with the Sabres. Yeah, but I also... Chad had a a bad year. That was a tough year for Chad Johnson that year Mm -hmm. when he got traded to the Sabres. And I remember being on TSN and uh, James Duthie and I are standing there at the desk and he goes, what do you make of the Sabres making it like with all the goalie moves? And I, I'm starting out like maybe my second, third year in the business. I want to just come out swinging. Right. And I'm like, well, obviously the Sabres don't want to win games. They want to trade all their goaltenders that are doing well and they want to acquire some that are struggling and Chad Johnson's been struggling. So they don't want to win games. I don't even know if he's going to play for the team or whatnot. And then literally, I'm not even done with my commentary that they go, uh-oh, we have Chad Johnson on the line right now. Um, and they go to an interview with Chad Johnson. Now I know Chad, I knew Chad because of my time with the New York Rangers. He was the the third goalie. Basically when I broke my collarbone, he was up with the team. And so I felt so bad. I felt like crap knowing that, oh, this guy, I just carved this guy up on on TSN and he was listening to it, right? So two things you can do when those things happen. One, you can go and hide or two, you can show up the next day and show your face into the locker room. So they had a practice Mm -hmm. at Lecom Arbor Center the next day. So I went right into the locker room and went right to Chad and I said, hey, how you doing? And he goes, that was bull crap what you pulled yesterday. That was awful. I'm like, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm like, I'm here because I figured I better show up and just stand right in front of you and say, there was no reason. I was just trying to make a little excitement out of nothing. And I should have been more uh, diplomatic about it. I should have been respectful. I wasn't respectful. And Chad goes, okay, that's okay. We're done with it. Just a nice guy, right? Like he tried to give me a little something like, Stand up, and then I I owned it, and then he's like, "Okay, that's good," and and then we sat down and talked. Like he was a great guy. Well, in the ever blurring lines of journalism and things to that effect, I mean, it's a great lesson. It really is. Um, you know, for yeah. anybody who finds themselves in that, you know, where you have a line of questioning and or commentary, um, it is best to certainly get in front of it when you sense that there might be some, you know, misunderstanding involved and i was correct in my um assumption there chad did not play 
with Buffalo post deadline yeah. 2015. Now, what he did do, and not to get too far down the Johnson tangent, although remember, he's the only Johnson to appear as a saver. Uh, we've only had a Johnson goalie. We've not had a Johnson skater yet, but we will soon. Um, yes. Chad played very, very well in the 15-16 season. Um, yes. He had a 236 and a 920. You know, and this was this was for a team that obviously came up a little shy under Dan Bilesma and making the playoffs. And um, yeah, it's funny because I feel like a lot of times lately there's been this these references and mm-hmm. and I, I look at and again going through like teams of the day and stuff like that. You know, Chad Chad did pretty well. The second go around with a, with the Sabers was a little tougher, um, leaner leaner times, harder to win. Um, well, that team in 15, 16 was the closest the Sabres had come to make the playoffs until this past season. Right. They were an 81 point team and then they dipped and Chad, you know, went away and came back and anyway, so let us get to, and great job on the trivia teams of the day. And we will start with, we're focusing on the Eastern conference N teams because we've been going through this process somewhat alphabetically order. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do Islanders, Rangers, Devils today. Uh, Devils, of course, did not fit the uh, criteria of the previous trivia question. So we'll focus on the Islanders and Devils first. Um, when you think of, and <clears throat> this is this was, was a little surprising to me, that historically speaking, the Sabres have a regular season franchise record against the Islanders of 88, 74, and 25. Wow. It's pretty good, especially considering the last 10 years. but. They're one and three all time in the playoffs. And those three playoff losses were all, you know, back end of the seventies, early eighties. And it was just, it was a time that Danny Gare often references, you know, it was just the hurdle that they couldn't get over and what could have been. But when you think of Sabres Islanders, what do you think of? Oh, uh, I mean, I remember and not, I wasn't on the team anymore, but the 07 playoffs, right? Everybody remembers the Rangers series, but the Sabres beat the Islanders in five before that. Mm-hmm. The Islanders were coached by Teddy Nolan. Uh, they needed a save by Wade Dubowitz in a, in a shootout against the New Jersey Devils to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. I do remember going to a couple of uh, home games that series um, because I was a fan. We were out of the playoffs in Philly. I had just got traded to Philadelphia and I came back as a fan. I remember going to the Nassau Coliseum a few times uh, and having a few battles with uh, Felix Podvin as a goalie there. My brother played for the New York Islanders. So I remember going, you know, and hanging out with him a few times, but on the ice, very little. I had great success against the New York Islanders in my career the team that I have beaten the most. Now, I don't know how many games that was with the Sabres, but throughout Eight, the... three and one. Okay. Eight, three and one. Yes. But then I with the Flyers and with the Rangers, I absolutely owned, owned the New York Islanders. I ended up with 24 wins in my career against the New York Islanders, I believe, which is most against any other team. Um, but other than the fact, like this is, again, what I remember. We had a game one night against the Islanders, big snowstorm, but it just started to snow at about five o'clock. Like we're getting to the rink and everybody's there. So they said, we're playing the game. There was literally like a thousand fans in the building. Halfway in the first period, they're like, hey, fans that are sitting at 300 level, please come down to the 100 level to fill the lower seats. And on your way down, stop by the concession for a free popcorn. Like It just was like, what is going on here? But yeah, we did play a game against the Islanders at Nassau Coliseum with probably less than a thousand people in the building because of a, a snowstorm in New York City. 
Well, great career numbers for you. Like I said, eight, three, and one. Do you want to guess what Hashik was as a Sabre against the Islanders? Well, I was going to say, may not have played a whole lot because that was one of the teams probably he after. He played too much, actually. Oh, he played too much. Oh, well. He was not good against them. No? No. Who was his record? As a Sabre, he, as a Sabre, he was eight, nine, and five. Like you're not finding too many. That that's eight wins in twenty two decisions. And it's not that's, like a, this is not a time where the Islanders were really good either. It's not a not dynastic like, oh era gosh. for the Islanders. No, no, no. Ryan Miller had sixteen wins. Donnie Edwards was nine five and one. Incredibly, this this jumped off the page for me. The, the late well, both have passed Roger much earlier, but Dave Dryden and Roger Crozier combined nine zero and three against the Islanders. Now oh, yeah. the reason that's the case because the Islanders were terrible out of the blocks like most 70s expansion yeah. teams so so they caught that they caught that initial opening of them in the in the nhl but here's one and now i have to ask you based on your success against the um against the islanders did you and Jokin hash ever have like any significant pregame ritual because <clears throat> Jokin yo yo never he his scoring pace against the Islanders in his career far exceeds anything offensively he ever he scored at more than a 30 goal pace against the Islanders. He had 15, all-star. He had 15 goals in 34 games against the New York Islanders. I'm looking at it going like I love the guy, but that's that's unusual. So I don't remember like vividly Jokin um having that much success but i mm-hmm. do recall um a couple of big games from Jokin hashed against the new york calendars and that's mm-hmm. and I, I i believe one of them may have been so we have the lockout of 0506 we start the season and i'm thinking i'm the number one guy and ryan miller plays the first eight games right or something like that mm-hmm. my first game of the season was early November, late October, early November. And in Long Island, I played and uh, it was a 6-4 win. I, I I didn't even look it up. I still remember to this day because things that mark you, right? On the mm-hmm. way back, we flew into Buff- flew back to Buffalo after the game. I got home probably like 1.32 in the morning. I go to bed and about an hour later, I got a call. We had a sick dog at the time that was actually at Cornell University mm-hmm. undergoing treatments and whatnot. And we got a call at 3 a.m. that night when I came back from Long Island and all of that, that uh, there was one, the first time we had dealt with that, with a dog passing away and uh we got a call saying unfortunately emmy is uh is is gone and um mm. but it still marked me like i remember the game six four win i remember flying home i remember going to bed and a half hour later the phone rang and it was that but you know those things all intertwine right like personal life and professional life all intertwine so i do remember that vividly um did you like the coliseum dare i, I ask? love the coliseum did you Oh my gosh, do I Why did you I, hate your time as an Islander so much? I hated my t- I hated being there every day, but being there once in a while, the um it, the 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 Coliseum had a feel that was it was not a small building, but it felt small, right on top of you and, and uh, like on the sides and not so much behind the glass. Like behind the nets people could walk in front of the first row and walk mm-hmm. around, but 
Um, I did like my time playing against the New York Islanders. Weird bounces off the glass. When we played against Rick DiPietro, we used to always say, dump it in in the glass because the guy would try to stop everything behind the net. The amount of goals we got off a bad bounce off the glass back to the middle and probably Jochen Heck like standing right there with a wide open net, right? That's probably why he got so many goals against the Islanders because we were doing the dumping uh kink type of uh, play off the glass and it worked all the time. I have to tell you what I should have uh, prefaced the whole hash thing with is top three goal scorers all time, Sabres versus Islanders. Andrew Chuck is one. Rick Martin is two. Yoke Yo, is three. Like, <laughs> like that amazing. is, it's amazing. That's why I had to dive into his individual, oh. you know, head to heads because I was like, if he's top three in Sabres history against this team, it has to be his personal best. Now, only based on, and actually this, see, you know, when you love someone or something and there's just all these underlying reasons that you never truly know why so i was going into the the deep dive thinking okay there's no question in my mind this is the most that hash has scored against one team well his scoring rate yes goals per game yeah but the actual team that he scored the most against the Montreal the Canadiens. Ma- the Maple, oh, Maple Leafs. Leafs. Yeah. So why well, we played a lot more against those teams, yes. And why wouldn't I love the guy yeah. based on that? You know, it's funny. Like it's just uh, some things are just too obvious. So okay, one last one before we hit the first break. Um, we used to stay at the Long Island Marriott, which basically shared a parking lot with the NASA Coliseum, right? Everyone did. <laughs> Everyone did. And it was, again, it, it reminded me of the St. Paul Hotel. If you caught the part about Minnesota last last week, you walked in, the heat was cranked up, static electricity everywhere, like it just shocked when you pulled the sheets and everything. But but all the autograph people in the New York City area would hang out in the parking lot between the hotel and the rink at the morning skate so that you would walk in and have to sign all these autographs. And they had a plan. Those were like highly intelligent autograph seekers. They'd be like, hey, Joe, you hit Duffer while I hit Marty. And then we switch so they won't be able to sneak out. Like they had a plan as to what player they were going to hit and when. So JP Dumont one year, he did not follow through on it but he wanted to do it so bad is get like the basically the ski mask with just the uh, eyes and the mouth open and everybody was going to put a ski mask on and we were all going to run through to the uh to the nasa coliseum so they weren't going to be able to recognize anybody and we were going to like just keep on going we never did it but they, they were so smart those autograph seekers in long island were so smart that they would make these elaborate plaques with pictures and cards right and they would come to you and they'd say can you sign these these cards and then they'd say hey look what i made for you they would give you the plaque and then you'd be like oh this is great thank you very much i appreciate it and they'd be like can i get a stick tonight i'm going to be right by the bench during warm up can i get a stick i give you a plaque can i get a stick and now you feel bad you're like oh i don't want the darn plaque i i like i don't want to give you a stick this is this is like entrapment like you're cornering me but they were they i'm telling you they were the smartest and they knew exactly what they were doing so you couldn't get away from the uh, autograph seekers in long island well, I am personally offended that you drew any sort of comparison to the Long Island Marriott and my favorite hotel, St. Paul. Saint Paul. 
because there couldn't be a more distinct contrast between the walk from the hotel to the arena. St. Paul is flush with parkland, forestry, plaques, history, Herb Brooks, big or small, and there is nothing between the Coliseum cement and blacktop. That's it. That's a a tough one. But I will say, decent buffalo chicken salad at the Long Island Marriott, but nothing compares to the hotel lobby bar at the St. Paul. So. No, um, and I will say this, our producer, Joe Pinter, the Sabres game night producer, would be happy for me to mention. One year we got in there and there was a fish, like three night concert at the oh. Coliseum. And the lobby was a smoke fest. <laughs> like the lobby of the Long Island Marriott was you couldn't see where you were going. It was smoked up because of all the fans that came back from the fish concert and were staying at the mm-hmm. Long Island Marriott. Yeah, one of my first trips into the Coliseum, I saw Rise Against the night before. It was a pretty good show. All right, back after this, we're doing Rangers and Devils in our teams of the day. Oh, oh there is news on this day, too. Uh, Brandon Hagel, former Sabre draft pick. Oh, yeah. Rich man, eight years, 52 million with Tampa. We're back after this. Stay with us on Sabres Live. <laughs> 